0: Hi, this is Gary Meese with The Case Against. We're having a bit of a tropical storm here. Uh, otherwise, everything's fine. As long as we don't get blown away or washed away. Anyway, we're going to continue with the uh, conf- bu- the Bible confession of Jesse Miskelly Jr., Miskelly um, is confessing to his defense attorney Dan Stidham shortly after he was convicted of the murders of Michael Moore, Stevie Branch, and Christopher Byers on May 5th, 1993 in West Memphis, Arkansas. His uh, co-defendants uh, co- they weren't defendants in his case but uh, because uh, they were tried separately, but co-defendants in the case, but not the trial, and Jason Baldwin and Damien Eccles. that trial is coming up. So uh, Miskelly's confessions at this point seemed to offer some hope that maybe he was willing to confess, conf- uh, uh, testify against uh, the other two perhaps for an exchange on his uh, a better a more lenient sentence though that didn't happen and i i'm not going to suggest that that was stidham's uh goal at this point point. and he's already he's already been confessing for a while to stidham but i'm gonna we're gonna go on with uh continue on from the last episode uh, this of course is the case of the west memphis three Instead a mask. Okay, May the fifth. You get to Lakeshore, and you know, Lakeshore is the trailer park where Jason Baldwin lived. Uh, Dominique Tier, Damien Echols' pregnant girlfriend, also lived in Lakeshore. Uh, you get to Lakeshore about six thirty. You didn't see anybody else there. No one else. Nobody else was standing around that would have seen you. No, sir. Because I always went back the back way, you know, towards Jason's house. I always went the back way, not the front way. So, we started walking towards West Memphis. Uh, We walked over an overpass. You go, it's the overpass between Lakeshore and Walmart is the overpass. We walked over it. We started walking toward West uh, to Walmart. I, I, Jason and me, you know, I asked Jason, you know, where we're going to find them girls at. Now, Jason's told him they're gonna find some girls. He said, we just going to walk around and look. And I said, okay, so we started walking. We went down, down Blue Beacon Road, then by a bridge, we saw a little trail. When we went down that little trail And we sit there, and we start drinking. We went from Walmart, stayed on that road all the way down, all the way through, went through the red lot, over the railroad track, and on down to an audible, then Blue Beacon and Loves. I was wearing white and blue Adidas. I had a gray shirt. It had short sleeves, blue pants, all greasy. Now... uh what he's describing is their route and he said they went to they they he went towards jason's house he says he went the back way i'm not totally sure what he means by that and that there's really only one way you know to get from where he was in highland to uh Highland Trail Park, where he lives, to Lakeshore. Basically, you go down Service Road for a little bit from Highland, you go south a little bit, you go under this, you go under this, under the highway, this underpass, and then you go down to, and you're going slightly west, and then you go south for a bit, and you're at Lakeshore. And they were apparently standing and uh, waiting on him out, out close by the service road for l- a lack of a better term for that. Though it's really not much of a, there's not much service there. So I don't, don't know if a service road is exactly the right term for it. But it's a road that, that runs right parallel to the highway in uh, Interstate 55. Uh then they start walking towards West Memphis. We walk over the overpass. There's an over. They, there's an overpass between Lakeshore and Walmart. So I. Uh, he's saying they got on the high. Get on the inter, on the interstate. They cross over. They're gonna cross over. Be cross over to the service road that doesn't that, you know that doesn't really work because that, that that thing actually splits there it doesn't make a lot of sense it doesn't make a lot of sense because the highway splits there uh it goes uh 55 runs into 40 40 40 and 55 run going um east run together for a mile and a half or two miles before they split again going through West Memphis Uh, and 40 runs east-west but what he's saying they went down when he says Blue Beacon Road he's talking about the service road that ran by truck stop the Blue Beacon and then by a bridge we saw a little trail They would, they would have gone past another uh, overpass. And then, the, then there was a, a bridge. Uh, we saw a little trail, and we went down that little trail. Now, that little trail he's talking about is a little trail that runs by the Blue Beacon. And the only there's no particular reason why Jesse Miskelly, Jr. would know about that little trail except that he'd been there. Says we stayed on the road all the way down all the way went through the red light over the railroad track and on down to the then blue beacon and loves blue blue over the railroad tracks are railroad tracks that uh, that run right there at that intersection as well it's a right <laughs> run right in the general area of where uh, 55 and 40 uh, Missouri Missouri Street, not not 55, but uh, it's all right in there together. And uh, uh, I'm a, I'm a little confused now. He's got me confused. But uh, Blue Beacon and Loves are, are both off the service road. We're uh, very right next to the woods where the boys were killed. Uh, uh, Robin Hood, also known as Robin Hood Hills there is a red light there is a railroad track there and he describes what he was wearing he's very consistent about what he was wearing that day and all these uh, all these confessions so Stidham mask what did Damien have on that day um, like a black pants black boots Stidham, did he have a coat on a leather jacket it was like a biker's jacket he carried a stick part of a tree I would say it was long Stidham, was it any of those sticks they introduced into your trial the other day? Yeah, that one that you was holding up and that had bark off of it. Stidham, had someone carved it? Yes, he carried it with him from Lakeshore. Uh, Jason was wearing light blue jeans, black boots like army boots. Stidham, what kind of shirt did Jason have on? It was black and had Metallica road on it and it had like uh like a background like a grave and it had a cross we started walking a little bit further and then we went over a bridge and then i seen a little trail going down down the bank and we went down there and started drinking and there's a bank that goes there and then you go down into or or you did that it's not any of that woods that whole area's been uh bulldozed over and it's very different now. I think it's grown up some since then, but it's it it was just total. All the woods were taken out at one point. Uh, but he's saying they went down a little trail down a bank, and there was a bank that went down to this little uh, irrigation ditch where the bodies of the three boys were placed. It's a fairly high bank. We went down there and started drinking. Uh, Jesse's already described getting Vicki Hutchison, his good friend. He's also good friends with the Byers family. And her son's good friends with Christopher Byers and Michael Moore. And he knew Stevie Branch, but he was particularly good friends with these other two boys. Uh, And they had lived in that neighborhood. She had moved to uh, Highland Highland where... uh, Jesse lived and had be, become friends with him. and she, had, she apparently routinely bought liquor for the kids in the neighborhood for whatever reason. Anyway, he says, We went down there and started drinking. Stidham, did anybody talk about hurting boys or killing boys or doing anything to boys? Doing anything to anybody? No, they didn't tell me nothing like that. But that guy that showed Damien that picture, that's what I... But I figure that's why Damien, he knew what he was doing because cause when I seen that picture at that cult meeting, I didn't know who they were. I had never seen them until, you know, after we jumped, after I jumped and started beating them, then I realized that beating them up, beating the kids up, then it went, it went to my mind. A picture came to my mind. Then after that picture came to me and I looked down, that's who it was. And the crucial part of that is where he says of Damien, he knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. Did Jesse know what Damien was up to? Probably, apparently not. Did Jason? Probably. Did Damien? Definitely. Miss Kelly continued, we sit out there, we sit down and started drinking. We sit by some trees, by a tree that was, that was leaned over. There was like a, like a, I'm going to say like a water pipe. That's what I'm going to say what it was. I don't know what it was. A pipe going like this way makes like a walkway or something, like a little bridge, something like that. And we started drinking. Then we started drinking, and then we heard some noise, and then uh, me and Jason hid, and Damien just sit there and all of a sudden he told them to hide and he did then these boys came up now Miskelly accurately described the large pipe often used as a bridge to cross the 10 mile bayou into robin hood hills and one of the trees in there was leaning over as you would kind of expect to see in a forest particularly where there's a, a bank uh, one of the trees was was leant, tilted somewhat. Uh, Stood a What else is beyond the trees? There was a clubhouse. It looked like some little kids, you know, they went up there and built it. It had a. It's black, and to my knowledge, it had sides, like to keep the wind off of them. It had a top over it. To my knowledge, I don't now there's no such clubhouse found at the scene but later in this statement Miskelly said he was actually remembering a clubhouse near his home aaron hutchinson statements and aaron is vicki Hutchison's son repeatedly mentioned a clubhouse in robin hood hills though there was no sign of a clubhouse his mother claimed she visited the site before the killings, and the clubhouse consisted of a few boards nailed up in a tree. Now, um, Aaron and uh, Michael and Chris apparently had been out there quite a bit at one point, playing, and uh, of course, Aaron gave a lot. Aaron gave a lot of statements about what he witnessed out there that have been the subject of a lot of controversy and speculation and derision because they're fake frankly fantastic stories but his initial story about seeing what appeared to be some sort of cult activity going on out there uh really did intrigue investigators they just could never make any real use of it he didn't testify at trial and uh what he Provided ultimately just proved to be not that useful. Uh, Muskelly, during this Bible confession session, started making a map as Stidham requested, showing the location of Southland Park dog track on the other side of the interstate, as well as other features. (coughs) Stidham asked, where did you put a bridge at? The bridge uh there's uh the blue beacon and there'll be a little like a little i'm going to say like a little driveway right up in there going toward the field you know for tractors and plowers and that's that's that that was there that's accurate the bridge the trail water and trees like big trees right beside that there's going across like that creek all right there's the bridge there's the trail there's the bridge there's water going up under it all the way down then there's trees like that then trees and it goes all the way to the pipe and then it goes on out i don't know where it goes all i know it just it just it just flows the house is back 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 by this way about where the driveway is at then there's a field and you can see them you can see through them trees and there are houses what he's describing is the landscape there with a tree um, the the blue beacon there's a driveway there was a driveway like uh drive parking place back there where vehicles would go back a little bit into this field there was a field there are trees there's a little trail there's a bridge there's a bayou He's explaining it, and the houses on the other side that just go on for as far as the eye can see on the other side, which isn't very far, but uh, it's as far as the eye can see. Uh, Stedham, isn't there the bayou? Isn't there a bigger river or creek? Uh, Moscely answers, by that field, by that where that driveway is. That there's a field and there's trees just like. Uh, excuse me i'm getting some notices from uh, the uh tropical storm type notices on my phone I better turn this off before i get an actual call from somebody um, by that field by that where that driveway is there's a field and there's trees and just like the bayou goes all the way up through there all the way back towards the back to the what he I, and all? that's it. Miss Kelly continued, "The bodies was thrown in water, deep, big. I'm going to say that comes to over my head. I'm going to say it comes to over my head, cause I can't get in the water close to my head, cause I have to hold my ears." The bodies were not placed in deep water. Miss <coughs> uh, Kelly did not get into the water. He did not accurately gauge its depth, and you can certainly get the wrong impression here about what he's describing. I mean, it's not an accurate description of the water. Stidham says, "Well, were the bodies thrown in close to that pipe?" Ms. Kelly says, close to that pipe. I'm going to say about 15 or so, probably not even that far to the pipe. About 15 yards, probably maybe not even that much. I could tell you if I was, I could tell you if I was there. It was deep, but can't do it, you know, to my mind because I don't know, I don't know feet, yards, or nothing like that. I'm going to say it was pretty close to it. Now what he's saying is I could tell you if I was there. if he was there, he could show you is what he's saying, and he's also saying most pertinently, I don't know feet yards or nothing like that. In other words, when he's saying about fifteen yards, it's, it's pretty meaningless. It wasn't that close to the pipe. It wasn't that far away it was but it wasn't close to the pipe. it was up in the woods. Uh, the, the kill scene, it wasn't close to the pipe, it was further than 15 yards. Instead uh, of mask, okay, you were carrying a. yeah, I'm getting a little notice here that, you know, water's up over the, the highway down by parts of the beach down here so because of this storm we're going through there really I mean there really is a tropical storm going on out there it's not you know as far as what's going on at my house I've the average thunderstorm might be worse on a minute by minute basis but uh, the the storms pushing a lot of water up and up into the Gulf and creating some problems that's that's an aside. I'm not trying to give a weather report, uh, but it's on my mind a little bit today. Stidham. Okay, you were carrying a fifth of whiskey in a paper sack. Right, Stidham. Who was carrying the beer? Damien. Stidham, and he was carrying a stick in one hand and the beer in the other. Well, it was Jason. <laughs> Again, you know, if you want to quibble about this and say he's not being accurate, well, you know, he's not. Does that mean the whole thing's not correct? No. Stidham, how many times have you been there? That was my first time. I don't know too much about it. Now, kelly gave an accurate description based on this one visit, other than the water depth depth, and the proximity of the bodies to the pipe. Stidham, did you go back there after the murders like you told Gitchell? Gary Gitchell being Chief Inspector Gary Gitchell of the West Memphis Police Department. And to this question about going back, Muskelly says, Uh-uh. Stidham, how come you told him that? Just to have something to say, Stidham says, were you guys in the water? I don't get in water because I can't. I can't get my ears wet. I ain't getting in no water. Stidham, did Damien and Jason get in the water? No. Stidham, how come you told the police that you were in the water and they were going underwater and sucking each other? I didn't tell him that. I just told him they went under the water. I didn't know what they were doing, was doing, but they they, they never went in the water. And uh, in the in- initial in- the interrogation on June 3rd, uh, they do, descri- Ms. Kelly does describe uh, Damien and Jason getting in the water and going under, and somehow the investigators jumped to the conclusion that they were performing oral sex on each other as part of this, even though reading it, it cert- he certainly isn't exp- doesn't explicitly say that. And, you know, I think they were jumping to a bit of a conclusion on that, that Miscelli, uh can honestly say he didn't tell him that, and he didn't. Stidham tries again after revisiting some questions, of, and you know, and this that was a case where there were some follow-up type questions, and because Moscely is not bright, has seventy-two IQ, even though he's a street, he's street smart, and he's got some smart mechanical ability, and he's not. He's not. He doesn't have the mind of a six-year-old. Aaron Hutchinson has a mind of a six-year-old. Compare what Eric, and he's, he was an eight-year-old at the time. But compare the stories of Aaron Hutchinson to the, if you want to see something that's really just totally confused and chaotic and really kind of crazy, and compare those stories to Jesse Miskelly Junior.'s stories, and come back and tell me that Jesse Miskelly's Junior's stories are comparable to Aaron Hutchison's stories. They're not. They're much, much, much more co- coherent. They vary in some details from confession to confession. And, in, and within the confession, he's got some inconsistencies, like who was carrying the beer. But basically, he's telling a, a story that's grounded in some kind of reality and not just some sort of fantasy life, which is what Aaron had going on. You know, Miskelly was aware of the facts of life in every sense of the word at this time. And by this time, he's 18 years old. He was almost 18 when he committed this crime. Stidham tries again after revisiting some questions about the setting. And I did, as I've said before, I I don't reproduce every jot and tittle in the the transcripts. just for readability purposes. The parts that don't really serve a purpose or bring al- tend to bring along the narrative. I tend to cut that out. However, I don't trim it back as much as... I mean, I could cut it way back just and just give a synopsis of what he says in the Confession that would be accurate. But then there would be those who would say, well, you didn't get into this, you didn't get into that. He said this and you didn't put that in and blah, blah, blah. So I try to be as complete as possible without being uh, ridiculous about it. And my book, uh, this is from the book Where the Monsters Go. I have another book. It's a second volume of a two-volume set. The first book is Blood on Black. And I have a revised, condensed, uh, combined version called The Case Against the West Memphis Three Killers. All three books are available on in, on Amazon and Kindle and print format. And in the third book, the condensed, revised, combined version, I do cut back on a lot of stuff and I do cut back on redundant narratives um, and put in more synopsis of what people actually say rather than quote them at length. And it, it makes for an easier read in some ways if you're not willing to uh, accept the fact that I'm just trying to present the case as, as, as it is and not distort the facts. Uh, Stidham tries again after revisiting some questions about the setting. Damien and Jason get in the water, to which, contradicting what he just said, Ms. Kelly replies, Yeah, Damien, we hear some noise, Me and Jason hid, and Damien just sit there, and we hollered for Damien, you know, not real loud, but lightly, and Damien hid. That's when them three little boys came out. They came up on their bicycles, and they laid the bicycles down. So Stidham asks him again, again about getting in the water, and he says, yeah, oh, yeah, they got in the water, and then he goes on with this other story. He's not really that interested in talking about them getting in the water. Stidham asked, stopped to ask if they've been smoking marijuana, and Stidham says, "I mean, uh, Ms. said no." And Stidham's doing this a lot when Jesse gets going with telling his story. Stidham stops him with some. Uh, off-the-wall question about, were you smoking marijuana? You know, he's talking about the boys coming up and really the crucial scene and the whole scenario. And him, gets him sidetracked with a question about marijuana. But Miscelli's going to barrel on through all this, but they're going to be talking about some other things in the interim. Um, Asked him if they've been smoking marijuana. Miscelli said No and Stidham asked him about the whiskey bottle. Miss Kelly said, whiskey bottle busted. Stidham, you busted it? Yeah. Where did you do that? Going back, when I was going back home, after I'd seen what happened, made me mad. Returning to the boys, Muskelly said, they came in. See, he, he wants to tell the story. Returning to the boys, Muskelly said, they came in from some ho- by some houses. That's where they came in from. He's describing them coming across this bridge. They're coming over from where the houses are onto the, uh, on the bridge into the woods. Stidham, how did they get their bikes across the pipe? Pick them up. Stidham, they picked their bikes up and carried them across the pipe. They came up from that side. It must have been a trail cause, you know, I couldn't remember because I was there for one time. How many bikes were there? Two, and there were two bikes. Um, and I don't know why Stidham's, they picked their bikes up and carried them across the pipe as if he's disbelieving. Well, they could have done that. It's really a question. I mean, they could have done that. Uh, I don't know why they wouldn't have left them on the other side, except maybe they were worried about them being stolen. Uh, the pipe bridge is a little precarious crossing. It's not really a bridge, but you can cross it. The water was fairly high. It's really kind of dangerous. I wouldn't want my eight-year-old kid out there going across in that bridge, but uh, pipe bridge, but. Uh, they were doing it. Their parents didn't know what they were doing, so... And these are, these are some adventurous little boys. Um, how many bikes were there? Two. What color were they? Red, uh, a light color, white color, greenish color, something wearing there? Stidham, greenish or white? I'm going to say greenish. It was real light. It wasn't a boy's bike. The boy bikes were light green and red. The green bike had a lower crossbar than on a standard bicycle resembling a girl's bicycle. Now, Miskelly would have seen the bikes during the course of the trial, so this isn't really that telling a detail. Uh, Muskelly, they came from, ba- from back that way from their house, I guess, where they live at. They come from that way, from where we was at, was by the interstate, Blue Beacon, where we was at. Wasn't far from the dog track. I mean, you could see it just right there. And you can see you the the Southland Park uh, dog track. It was a, a dog track at that time. It's now a dog tracking casino. It is within sight of, you know, if you're positioned in the right way if you're down in this uh, creek bed this little place down in the woods you really can't see it because you just can't see that far but you know if you get up get out out of the woods a little bit look over that way you can see the casinos right there it's not across right across the way but it's it's not far at all when the boys came out, came up, Damien grabbed one of them. I don't know which one. The other two tried to get Damien to stop, and then me and Jason came out and started grabbing them, started hitting them. Um, uh, J- Damien choked. I don't remember which one. him. now, you know, you heard during the trial that the medical examiner said none of the boys were choked. Ms. Kelly. He didn't choke him, choked, choked. Just, you know, just say like, just hold their head and choked. Not hard enough, just holding him. Stidham, when did the Moore boy, he's talking about Michael Moore, run from the scene? That's when, after I let him go, stidham you were holding the moor boy yeah and i let him go stidham why did you let him go after i got through hitting on him i let him go i let him just let him go stidham he took off running Uh uh-huh stidham had any of the boys gotten killed yet or no uh uh-uh stidham did you know what was going to happen at that point no stidham why did you chase him down and bring him back or did you no, I didn't until Damien told me, get him. And that's when I went back after him and got him. And then I brought him back and that's when I stood him. What was the boy wearing that you went and got and brought back? Uh, to my knowledge, I'm going to say the one, I don't know their names, you know, to my knowledge. The one that was wearing uh, like a Boy Scout uniform, I don't know. You know, that's to my knowledge, that's what one of them was wearing. I don't know which boy. (coughs) So you can see, even after the trial, Ms. Kelly wasn't clear about the names or the, uh, the specific identities of these boys, which he'd heard numerous times. He did consistently describe the boy he brutalized as wearing a scout uniform, which would accurately describe Michael Moore. Stidham. Damien told you to go get him and bring him back? Uh Uh-huh. Right after I done hit him first, Stidham. Where did you hit him at? Where'd I hit him at? The head. Stidham. And was anybody cut or bleeding at that point? No, uh, I was I was too drunk. I couldn't hardly do nothing. Uh, when I drink, I can't hit hard or anything. Stidham, Damien told you to get the more boy and bring him back, and you did that. He, he said, go get him. So I brought him back and just started hitting him some more. Uh then Jason pulled out a knife. He took one of them. I don't know which one cut him on. I think it was on this side of his face. Stan, which side are you pointing to? This is the left. Now the skelly goes on to say that he thought the boy whose face was cut was the blonde one, which would have been Stevie who had a huge cut on the left side of his face. Stidham, did Damien ever hit anybody with this long stick you're telling me about? He hit one of them boys in the head, and I don't remember which one. Now, there were really bad wounds that appeared to be, have been delivered by something like the butt end of a large stick to all three of the boys Uh, Michael Moore had had wounds that appeared to be from a stick Um, and you know Miskelly was involved in attacking Michael Miskelly also tended to downplay the Brutality of the attack on Michael. So he's saying he he hit one of the boys in the head with a stick. He doesn't remember which one. And it also goes again to this problem that Miskelly has consistently of just simply keeping these boys' identities straight. He never seems to be able to do that. Um, and, you know... He seemed to be guilty about his role in the, their murders, but he wasn't interested enough in them as individuals to even bother to properly learn their names and identities. So it says something about his—he has some moral capacity, but you know he's not—he's not smart, and he's not somebody who's—he's a fairly callous person. we know he beat up on plenty of other people prior to this and never seems to have felt bad about it at all Stenham asks okay when did you realize that somebody was going to get killed after I seen Jason cut that one on his left side of his face I didn't know he was going to get killed until I saw him get on top of one of them boys, and cut him completely. Now, as Skelly consistently described Baldwin as the teen who cut Stevie in the face and sexually mutilated Chris, he consistently describes Baldwin as the aggressor with the knife who does the most horrific damage to two of the boys. Stidham, what do you mean cut him completely? Kelly. He cut his penis off, and that's when I realized that, you know, they're going to kill those boys. Miskelly said he just sat there. He was no longer holding down Michael, who was knocked out. So much for not being able to hit that hard. He, he knocked Michael out. Michael had horrific head injuries from the beating that Miskelly gave to him. And, uh... You know, it, we don't know for sure, but, you know, if, if they somebody had come upon them at that point, it's not sure Michael would have survived that beating, even with a, a medical care and hospital treatment and so forth. It was pretty bad. I just, I knew he wasn't dead because I know I went over there and touched him and he was still breathing. Stidham. Okay, so were the boys making any noise or anything, saying anything? They uh, we put a shirt in her mouth. Damien and Jason did put a shirt, their shirt in their mouth. Then they took off their pants. Uh, Jason, and Damien and them took off them little boys' pants. Pulled them, just pulled them completely off. They didn't unsnap them or nothing. They just jerked. They was inside out. They pulled them from the top, just just jerked them off, and then Damien started getting on, uh, started playing with that little boy's penis. I don't remember which one, but I remember it was one of them boys that got his pants pulled completely pulled off from the top. Then Damien started messing, you know, playing around with his penis and stuff. He put his hand over the top of it, on you know, squeezing it at it, squeezing it. Then Damien stuck. He stuck his penis and beh- from behind one of them little boys, I don't remember which one, but he didn't stick it all the way in. He just he just just stuck it in and pulled it out. That's it. Uh, by the way, two of the boys' pants were found inside out, as if pulled off from the top. Stood him. He didn't actually. And Ms. Kelly says, no. <coughs> Ms. Stidham, raping? Miss Kelly says, no. Ms. Stidham, he just stuck his penis in there? Miss Kelly says, he just stuck it up there and just pulled it out. Then he uh, he shot off on the pants and stuff. Ms. Stidham, who did, Damien? Why did he do that? To be sick? Ms. Stidham, shot off on the pants? What color were the pants? Was he masturbating? Do you know what masturbating is? Jacking off? Uh Uh-huh. Stidham, did he wipe himself with the pants or did he... Miskelly, no, he wiped it off on the pants. I'm Stidham, what I'm saying, did he squirt it on the pants or did he wipe himself off with their pants? He shot on the ground, then he wiped it off with their pants. Now, forensic analysis found a possible semen stain on pants belonging to one of the victims. Immersion overnight had corrupted the stain as DNA evidence. Also, this was on denim. A semen stain on denim is apparently... Apparently hard to get the proper sort of sampling from, particularly if it's been corrupted like this. With better technology now, could be different. Probably would be. Stedham now, what was, so there was an eight-year-old boy had, let's put it this way, most eight-year-old boys don't leave don't leave semen stains on their pants so there was a sexual component to this and it just it's just a matter of who do you think the perpetrator was well we're hearing about it now and I, I happen to believe this particular story and this story this particular version of the sexual attack makes a lot more sense than what uh, Ms. Kelly had described with the ultra-violent, attack, ultra-violent attacks in his first confessions. Instead of now, what was Jason doing while Damien was doing his jacking off stuff? Miskelly Jason went to that one, to to one of them boys, started beating him up, just hitting him, and he cut off his, you know, penis the whole work. Jason got on top of him and started hitting on him. That little boy was squirming, and then Jason stuck the, I'm going to say he stuck his hand over, you know, a shirt, and then covered his hand over his mouth over the shirt, and he just kept on hitting him, and that boy didn't move no more. Stidham, did you see him cut the boy's penis off? Yeah, i just seen Jason on top of him, and that little boy was still squirming, and the next thing you know, I just saw a hand come flying like this. That's all. He slung something. I don't know if it was a knife or that little boy's penis or what. He wasn't laying on the water. He was laying on the bank by the water. He wasn't laying in no water. Now... You know, we know there were knife wounds on Christopher Byers indicated. There were a lot of uh, what uh, was described as pickering, I think, Uh, in the Truth and Justice episode. They were talking about this. Uh, little, short, little, little, little jabs and stabs with a knife to inflict pain. And the boy was squirming. We know that there were lots of these little knife wounds to, uh, Christopher Byers, uh, indicated that he was, you know, tortured for quite a bit besides the the horrific wound that he had with the, where he's, he's emasculated, um, and he had to have been squirming quite a bit, just to put it mildly. Uh, but he also says he, you know, he kept punching him. You know, this is a really violent attack. He punches him, and you can, the boy didn't move no more. I mean, you know, he just keeps hitting him. And then we're talking about blood, and, you know, the, a lot of people who talk about this case ignorantly describe the lack of blood at the scene well it's true and not true there wasn't a, there wasn't a great deal of visible blood at the scene uh, but there was blood found at the scene on luminol testing a lot of the, the the scene the crime scene had been cleared up quite a bit and the um, the blood left there corresponds as you know as because Muskelly not that you know his description of where these attacks occurred is not that exact but it it correlates roughly with where the blood is found correlates roughly with Muskelly's accounts of how these attacks went down including in this description. Stenum, blood went everywhere is that what you told the officers? That's what I told them. i just seen blood, you know. Stidham, what did they do with the blood? Wiped it off in, you know, in water and stuff real good? Stidham, what was Damien and Jason saying while this was going on? They was just telling them to shut up and get quiet. Stidham, what were you thinking while this was going on? That's when I stopped. When I seen Jason get on top of that boy and sling his arm like that, that's when I stopped everything. That's when I stopped. I just sit there. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I just sit there, and then I was going to see what they was going to do with them. Then they tied them. Tied their hands, right hand to their right ankle, and their left hand to their left ankle. Stidham, what did they tie them with? Shoe string. Stidham, why did you tell the officers it was a brown rope? I made it up stidham asked why and at first muskelly gave no answer stidham you don't know why muskelly says huh -uh." in other words he says he made it up but he can't say why he made that up and the in the confession which is one of the you know one of the details that people always who are criticizing that confession always bring out they bring up the time of day And they bring out the brown rope instead of shoestrings were used to tie the boy the the boys and they disregard everything else there that uh miskelly gets right or this that makes a coherent credible story miskelly said he did not help eccles and Baldwin tie up the boys and left quote after they done tied them up muskelly after they done it you know they tied them up tied them up and put them in the water stedham tell me everything that happened from the time jason cut that boy's penis off then he said he wanted to come over to where i was at you know mess with that boy i told him no i done seen enough then he went over there towards with damien that's before that boy get his face cut Then he went over there with Damien, cut that boy's face on the left side. I mean, after he didn't cut him, he, you know, scratched him. Then he went back, and then he sliced him. I'm going to say sliced. (coughs) Stidham, did Damien ever suck on that boy's penis? After a long pause, Muskelly answered, No, that, the one that he was going to get, you know, screw him from behind... He went on him. He went down on him. He didn't suck on it. He bit it. Bit the top, the head of it, not hard. But I'm going to say he didn't do it hard. I seen him. I seen his head going down that way. I don't know, you know. I don't know if he. I don't know if he did or not. And I seen his head go between that boy's legs, and that would have been uh, Stevie Branch and uh, Stevie Branch's penis had some damage to it that indicated that it had been played around with, as Miskelly's describing here. And, you know, instead of asking him this leading question, Miskelly's not coming up with the thing about the oral assault him him. after Jason cuts this little boy's penis off and after Damien jacks off and wipes himself with the boy's pants, then what happens? I remember how he grabbed, Damien grabbed that boy by the ears. I don't remember which one, but when he was, when he was going to get up the butt, he grabbed him by the ears from behind. He grabbed him by the ears. Stidham, okay, what happened after... A, what did Jason say after he cut this boy's penis off? Did he say anything? <coughs> Excuse me. Now he said he wanted him to do the other one. He wanted to do the other one. The one that I was beating up on him. I told him no, I'd done seen enough, and I wasn't going to let him do that one. Stidham, weren't you afraid he was going to stab you or something? Yeah, I was afraid, but, you know, I've been stabbed before, but I wasn't going to let him bother me. After they'd done tied them up, you know, I, I, you know, I wiped my footprints with a stick, you know, like a zigzag covering up my footprints and everything. And the blood, they wiped them on, you know, like in the water, make sure all the blood was off the water, make sure the blood was off the leaves and stuff. Stidham, how did they do that? Rub together or get their finger and just wipe it off real good and just wipe that off? Stidham asked how they got the water up on the bank. Miskelly indicated they splashed with their hands. Uh, Stidham, how close to the water was Jason and the little boy when he takes his pants off? To my knowledge, I'm going to say he was pretty inaudible, enough to pl- splash water out, to splash water that's how close I'm going to say it was, to my knowledge. Baldwin eventually took off Michael's clothes. I let Jason. He lay them down beside him, beside the boy. Stidham. Then what happened? To my knowledge, what I seen, it was hitting. He stuck his finger up the boy's butt. That's about it. The boy was unconscious after they'd unthrowed them in the water and stuff. I didn't see what they'd done with their clothes, but when I seen them throw them in the water, that's when I left. And I'm going to stop there because this goes on for quite some ways. So, uh, I'm going to get back to my tropical storm. Uh, it's not hard to stay at home today. <laughs> I don't know what day this is. If it's day 90, it, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think it's been that long, but it sure seems like it. Uh, anyway, thank you for listening. Uh Hope everyone is well and taking whatever measures they feel appropriate to maintain that. This is Gary Meese with The Case Against signing off.